The second lesson is taken from Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, 49 to 53. Luke 12, 49 to 53. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraints I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Almighty God, as we come just to spend a moment with your word now, we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd teach us, give us eyes to see your glory, we pray. Help all of us, whether we're completely new to church and Jesus, Father, or whether we've read this a hundred times, I pray you might lead us deeper into your truth, into the love of Christ and the glory of God in our lives. Amen. Well, why on earth, my friends, would you spoil the closeness of a family unit for something like religion. Because that's what Jesus is talking about, isn't it? I mean, did you hear that, that Luke reading that, that Hope just read for us? Verse 53, it's, it's pretty somber at the end. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and so on and so on. So why would you do that to a, to a biological family which offers some of the most blessings the world can afford? Why would you put something in the middle of it that could drive a wedge between you? Like a story I was hearing recently of a, of a woman called Zana. She comes from Afghanistan. Apparently she comes from a, a, a tribe in Afghanistan uh, which is quite remote, rarely reached uh, with the good news of Christianity. And she fled Afghanistan in recent years and she made it to the UK and she sought asylum. And in her hotel in London, Somebody invited her, do you want to come to my church? And she, she said, yes. And she started doing a Christianity Explored course and she, she found out more and more about Jesus. And she started coming along to church on Sunday. She put her faith in Christ and she was baptised on New Year's Day this year at an, an, another co-mission church which we're um, a sister church of. Good story. <laughs> I was, my, my heart filled up when I heard that one. But, complicating factor... She can't go home. I mean, she can't go home to Afghanistan for all sorts of political reasons, but family reasons. It's just it's very difficult now for her to go back to her family and her tribe that she was brought up in because of the decision she's taken. So, Zana, why would you do that? Or maybe for some of you, you know, why have you done that? Why have you considered Christ so seriously and taken his kingdom upon yourself so that it creates family difficulties for you? 
Well, thankfully, the answer is, I know the answer that many of you would give is, well, because Jesus is so wonderful, I'd, I'd give up lots of stuff for him. I'd, I'd, I'd actually give up the closeness of my family for him. I'd actually give up the things that I love and treasure in this world for him, right? Some of you know that very dearly. And so we're going to see today, Jesus, Jesus is so wonderful that even when it comes to the point of division, you're willing to give things up for him. I'll try and show you. I'll try and explain to you. As you've seen already, this Sunday we have our annual meetings. There's actually two annual meetings, you lucky ducks. We've already had one, and there's another one just to come after church if you would like to stay for it. It's a good, it's a good chance, annual meetings, to look back together and to look forward together. And I've found myself wondering this week, oh Lord, what do we expect at St. Paul's Harringay for the year ahead? What would you have us do this year? Thanks be to God, I think we've seen his blessing in the last year, since our last annual meeting. We've seen the kingdom grow a little bit. We've seen the gospel preached. We've seen people loved, like Em and Katie were talking about. We've seen God worshipped. We've seen Harringay change just a little bit. We've celebrated baptisms together. Yes, all of that is fabulous. I take joy in that. But I think the thing that Jesus is saying to us this morning is, what do you expect from the year ahead? Division. You say, what? <laughs> no, that's, that's not very inspiring. Indeed, I found myself questioning, oh Lord, you have led me to this Bible passage today. Obviously, we're committed to sequential Bible teaching here. We don't, we don't want to miss out the bits that are a bit tricky in the Bible. So the Lord re- really did lead us to this point on this Sunday. And rather, instead of the vision Sunday I was rather expecting, I feel we have got a bit of a division Sunday. But in the midst of it all, Jesus stands as this great fixed point. I want to I look at him with you together for a moment. Maybe he is, I think, preparing us for a hard time ahead as a church. If that's the case, then I want to listen with, with all ears. Let's just do a little exercise as we start off together. Um, I invite you to think just, just where you are. If you know a bit about Christianity, why did the Son of God come to earth? Okay? I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, but take a moment. If, you, if you're the kind of person who likes to jot things down, then you might like to write it. Why did the Son of God come to earth? Just take 15 seconds on your own. Okay. If anyone's willing just to put a hand up to indicate what area their answer was in, then. Um, Please do so. Did anyone have something like, the Son of God came to earth to die for our sins? Anybody? Hands up if you had something like that. Oh, excellent. Did anybody have something like to be Christ, our Lord? Anybody have something like that? The Messiah? No. <laughs> Did anybody have something like to bring peace on earth? Anybody have something like that? No, you all went for the, the dying for your sins, didn't you? Okay. Well, like, I can't fault you. It's, it's, it's true. Did anybody have something like to bring fire on the earth? No, that is, that's, a, that's a silence there, isn't it? And yet, that's a, they're all valid answers, those ones. And yet, so is the last one. Do you see verse 49? Actually, a very valid answer. I've come to bring fire on the earth. So given that that's a valid answer, that's like a mission statement from Jesus, then let's just explore that. That's the one big thing I want to say to you this morning. Jesus came to bring fire. Try and explain. One big thing. And then there's one big implication we'll get to as well. Okay. So Jesus came to bring fire. Let's just look deeply into that. Verses 49 to 50. 
Because I can almost see, I can almost see or hear someone objecting, but, 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 but. Christmas time, Jesus came to bring peace, right? Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Yes. He is the one of whom angels sing at Christmas time about peace. He himself is our peace, Ephesians chapter 2. You might remember Isaiah chapter 9, also Christmassy. Uh, he is the prince of peace. Indeed, and amen. But he also says here very clearly, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Fire means judgment, and he's expressing it very strongly. Do you see what he's saying? I, I wish the judgment had started. I am under constraint. It must be completed on my watch. So I take this as a reminder that Jesus didn't just come as a cute baby. You know, at Christmas time, you have a cute baby in a crib. That's, that's Jesus. But so too is this Jesus in our Bible reading today. He didn't just come to sit on a hillside and bounce toddlers on his knee. That's Jesus. But so is this Jesus today. He didn't just come to teach sermons and wow everyone with his wisdom. That's Jesus. But so is this one today. He didn't just come to die for sins. That's Jesus, but so is this one today. The baptism that it talks about here, you know, he says, I've got this baptism to undergo. That's, that's, his, that's his death. And what that symbolizes is him being deluged by the judgment of God. So just like when we baptize an adult, you know, we, we put them under the water, symbolizing death. I think Jesus is saying, like, I'm going to be deluged by the judgment of God on the cross. And I've got to undergo that. He's saying, though, I'm going to bring the fire. I'm going to return to judge. And you remember some of you were on our Lent course a few months ago, and we, we talked about actually how Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the message that means actually he will return to judge, and that's our hope. He's going to bring justice in the world. In case you think Jesus was just having an off day when he said this, Luke 3.16. You, know, you might know John 3.16, very famous verse, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Well, how about Luke 3.16? John the Baptist says, the Messiah will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. See, so he's talking about fire in Luke's gospel. Or in Acts chapter 7, which was our other reading this morning, Luke's sequel to Luke. And Stephen was one of the first ever church wardens or, or deacons, very godly man. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and when he saw the Son of Man at the right hand of God, he said so, and the people covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. So you see, he, he told the truth, and it, it led to this great division. So you see, it's not an isolated error, an aberration today, when Jesus says, I've come to bring fire on the earth. This, this, is just, this is just cut with the grain of what we see in the rest of the Bible. The Messiah will bring fire, and people don't like it. But why, you might say, but, but, yeah, but it just doesn't sit comfortably. Why does he have to do this? Well, the answer is, I think, because a decided Christian has made an authority claim on their life, right? Let me try and explain. We saw a little glimpse of this at the coronation. Did, um, I, I, like, I drank in the coronation yesterday. I sort of watched every, everything of it. I know some, of, some people, they just don't care. You know, they, just, they just went out and avoided it. I, I get that. You're entitled to your opinion. I was eating my coronation chicken and eating my Victoria sponge and um, standing up for the national anthem and all sorts. But did you pick up? There was, a, there was quite a controversial bit in the service which attracted a bit of press in the week beforehand. The homage of the people. 
you catch that bit or some of the commentary? More controversial perhaps than the Archbishop thought it would be because um, at one point in the service, Charles has been crowned and then instead of, as I understand it, I think when Elizabeth was crowned, the peers of the realm paid homage to her. But we kind of did away with that a bit at this one and we had everybody is invited to pay homage to King Charles. Here in the Abbey or at home watching on TV? I mean, that's a little bit close to the bone actually, as people pointed out, because some people don't want to do that. Some people are Republicans and they really don't want to pay homage to some sort of um, hereditary king. Other people are in the Abbey and they're not from the UK or one of the realms, right? So I, I didn't see, but I imagine Jill Biden wasn't sitting there as First Lady of the United States paying homage to King Charles of the United Kingdom, right? Because that's going to get her in trouble. She goes home to, to Joe and says, oh, hey, I just paid homage to the UK. No, we fought the War of Independence so that we didn't have to do that sort of thing. Right? So all those foreign dignitaries, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have done that because paying homage to the king, is a, that's an authority claim. And becoming a Christian, that's an authority claim. That is saying, Jesus is my king. He's Lord. He has the right to tell me what to do. Do you see that? So actually, for Jesus to say, I'm the one who's, who has the right to bring fire on the earth, that, that is a massive deal, which is... Um, the, the, the theme has continued through the Bible, even more so after he's resurrected. It's a bit like an offer to the world. Would you like to pay homage to me now? Of course, the wonderful thing is, as Sarah said at the start, he also says, I'm going to serve you. I love you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. It's not like he's some fallible tyrant who's just going to squash you. He lays down his life. He's amazing. So that's the wonderful news today. He's not just some fallible earthly king. Just before we're done, I can't resist. Look, three quick reasons why he's so great. He's for everyone, he's righteous, he's determined. Uh, firstly, he's for everyone. Two times in this paragraph, it talks about him coming on the earth. And it's a reminder that he's Lord of all, not just Lord of Israel, not just Lord of England, but everywhere. Billy Graham was a great preacher in the 20th century. He actually preached just down the road at um, the Harringay Arena, uh, where home base now is. He, he pointed out, actually, Jesus, even geographically, Jesus was born like at the, the meeting point of the continents. He was born in the Middle East. You can't say he was a European. You can't say he was an Asian. You can't say he was an African. Fascinating little observation, actually. He was born where, where the main continents, the three of the main continents, meet. We don't actually know if Jesus was black or white or olive-skinned. I think in God's wisdom, we don't, we don't know that. So you can't say he's, you can't pigeonhole him. But he's for everybody. He's, he's for everyone king for every nation he's also righteous secondly verse 49 talks about him wishing the fire were kindled I don't think I trust anybody to say that except for Jesus you know, I wish I could bring the judgment now because everyone turns out to their own advantage didn't they but Jesus I, I do trust because he hungers and thirsts for righteousness he can't stand the sight of sin he hates the sight of re- people rebelling against God he hates the sounds of wickedness he, he knows that humans were made for God, not for greed. So he's pure, and it makes him the perfect judge of the human race. There's no one I would rather see sitting on a throne with a crown resting on their head than Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So he's for everyone, he's righteous, and just thirdly, he's determined. Verse 50 talks about the constraint he's under. Do you feel, oh, he's, he's like, oh, I have to do this. My mission is to be the Messiah for the world have to complete the atonement on the cross, have to die for their sins, Father. 
I'm determined to be deluged by the judgment of God for you, son or daughter of God. So the only way that Jesus is actually willing to let someone have judgment fall on them is over his dead body. You see? You've got to step over the dead body of Jesus if you want to face the judgment of God. He's, he's for everyone, he's righteous, and he's, he's determined. So what, you might say, so what, what difference does that make then? It sounds like some old guy from long ago. Let me, let me put it with a point on it today. So, particularly this year, expect division and rejection. I don't think you can get around that this morning. Jesus says, ex- expect that sort of thing. What do I mean? Well, to give you one example, Easter time here, we, um, we had a lovely family uh, Easter event and we always give away these free books that kids can read. So picture books which tell the story of Easter. And One kid who, who uh, doesn't normally come to church took one of these picture books with great joy and they took it home and they, they asked uh, their parents to, to read it to them and uh, parents did. But one parent, I mean, really didn't like the picture book. They read it to the kid once and then said, what is this? You know, they, they really got the gist of what it was saying. But Jesus is Lord, he died for our sins. He's resurrected, he's the judge of all. And um, the kids kept saying, can we read that book again? And, and parents said, no, I'm not reading that to you again. I don't like that. But you see, they'd, they'd, they'd understood the message. They understood what the message of Christ was. Interesting dynamic to, to have in a family. Young child saying, can I have more of that? Parents saying, no. Now, story, story's not over, and uh, God, God is good, so I, and I have every hope for that family and for many others. You know, the, these families which feel painfully divided sometimes, like that one, not the end of the story yet. But you see what I mean? It can drive a wedge, because Jesus is Lord. Maybe you've tasted some of this family division for yourself. Some people in our church have known the pain of families disowning them because of their faith in Christ. If you do know pain like that within your family, it's not God's final answer yet. And the Bible tells us he is delaying so many people can come to Christ and find peace in him. Keep loving them. Keep praying for them. We're not the ones who take up guns and hold up our fists in fighting. We love people and we share the good news with them. But Jesus is saying there is division. Maybe this morning you were elected as church warden again or you are shortly to stand for PCC or deanery synod, some sort of office in, in Jesus' church. Well, Jesus says, look, expect, expect some division and rejection if, if you're involved in church life. I'm not talking about within St. Paul's. I find this a wonderful place to minister. Just, just wider. People don't necessarily want to know about Christ. So don't be surprised if that does come along. Maybe you've got it in mind to invite people to our mission week later in the month. I'm looking forward to that week in a fortnight together when we just get to invite people. um, Feel free to take flies and give them away and invite people. But don't be surprised if some people say, no, no, I'm not coming to that Jesus thing with you. No. Whenever we deliver Christmas flyers, I now expect to see somewhere around Harringay just flyers on, on 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 the pavement in the wet. You know, it makes me sad. This is the most precious thing we want to invite you to church we want to let you know about Jesus and someone's just thrown it on the ground and kind of be bothered to put it in the recycling it makes me sad but I do I, I now expect that every year well maybe you've been at St Paul's for a little while and God willing you might be here for a little while yet if that's you then look, let's get our expectations straight 
I expect churches to grow as Jesus Christ has preached, right? And God has done that amongst us. I mean, I look back over the last five years, we are four times bigger than we were numerically. Income is five times bigger than it was five years ago. That's amazing. I praise God for that. But I also expect not everyone to take us up on the offer. You know, we, we grow bit by bit and there's plenty of people who are not here because they don't want to be. So I hope the positive message of Christ will carry on. I hope we'll keep growing, God willing. But I also expect it to be a year when we experience some inevitable division and rejection. Because the more the church grows, the more the kingdom of God gets proclaimed. And the more the kingdom of Christ is obvious to the world. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, this is, this is hard today, Lord. Some things in the Bible just more, more like jagged pills to swallow, and this is one of them, I feel. Some of us feel intensely the pain of divided families, or we walk with those who are experiencing that. But Lord, you are wonderful. Jesus Christ is, is good news. We love his, his lordship. We love his manner of doing ministry. We, we love his, the way he comes to, to, to serve, not to be served. We love that the crown rests ultimately and forever on his head. And we pray, therefore, that you would give us a, a year together ahead, which is full of him. And help us in his strength, in his style, to, to minister Jesus to our city, we pray. For anyone who's really struggling at the moment, Father, who knows the pain of acute division and rejection, I pray that you would bind them up, heal the brokenhearted, and put put many comforters around them. In Jesus' name, amen.